You can say, you know, obey your parents and Lord for this is right. Or obey what? You mean just, just what they say? What if they tell you to go out and shoot somebody and rob a bank, steal from 7-Eleven, come back home? Well, I'm not going to obey that. So it's not just a flat-out obey anything they say. It is the office. So you've got to kind of go into some detail. And, and, uh, and I have parents all the time in our class because you take the last 20 minutes we'll do questions. So well, how do you get your kids to obey you? You know, my kids won't do anything. They, they won't go to church. They won't do their homework. They're hanging out with the wrong friends or listening to stupid music. And it's like, really? <laughs> well, who's in charge? It's like, who, who's in charge? You know, a home, a home is not a democracy. Uh, we don't vote. Okay, we're, we're not going to vote, you know. It's a theocracy. I'm in charge. <laughs> but I'm here to be a blessing to you. And what happens is all the scriptures that we teach, and that's why if you don't come, if you don't go to church, if you don't sit in a seminar, if you don't soak, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It's not a one-shot deal. You've got to meditate on it day and night. You've got to feed on it. You've got to soak on it. You've got to mutter it. And all of a sudden I realized something. God knew this planet was going to go stupid. Adam and Eve were going to go stupid on them. Their kids were going to go stupid. That's why I know in the flood. God had to drown everybody. Why? The devil took every one of them. They all went stupid. He said, the devil's got them all except you know I'm going to drown everyone, start all over again with you. Now, some people write nasty stuff about that. God is just a murderer. No, they're full of the devil. They're going to hell anyhow. He's trying to keep it from spreading to the what's and last good family he's got. He starts all over again, and all of a sudden he gets down, and they, and they all go stupid on him again. You know, you get down to the Tower of Babel, it's like, well, I'll just drown him again. Well, you can't. You promised you wouldn't. Remember the rainbow? You can't drown him. Oh, man, I thought too quick. Shouldn't have thought that. What am I going to do this time? Well, he had to confuse the languages, so they'd stop building the tower, and they'd scatter to the four corners of the earth. And Revelation says we're coming again, strike three, to a one-world government, a one-world religion. What's the devil doing? Trying to take people away from God. When does he do that? Well, he usually does it real early. That's why all the scriptures, Isaiah 54, 13, all of your children shall be taught of the Lord. Great will be their peace and undisturbed composure. Trade up a child in the way she go, Proverbs 22, 6. It's always early, early. Well, you know, it's tough to teach kids early because you're trying to pay bills. I don't know about you. When we first had kids, man, we didn't even own, we didn't even have furniture. I mean, everything we had was borrowed from somebody else. You know, the bed, the little nasty couch we had, that little table in the kitchen, we couldn't afford, we couldn't hardly afford a tank of gas. We're just trying to earn a living. Got three minimum wage jobs. What are you trying to do? Pay bills. You need to train your kids? Dear God, no, I'm, I don't have time to train them. Just sit down and shut up. Don't tear anything up. And you'll get in the habit of sit down and shut up and don't tear anything up. And that's just not training, you know. You've got to put some time into them. And there's no shortcut for it. It takes time to train. Uh, we've got the best military in the world uh, outside the Israeli military because um, we train better. Because we have more money, we're, we're better trained. Uh, football teams, basketball teams, soccer teams, who wins? Usually the ones that are better trained. Who wins the Olympic? Who, who wins the gold medal? The one better trained that can run further and faster. Are they holier? Uh-uh. Are they honest? Not necessarily. Do they tell the truth? Probably not. You know, probably still. Who knows what they're doing? But they have trained. That's why the Bible says train. Training's not teaching. Teaching's part of it. Teaching's where I tell you something. Training's where I'm going to make sure you do it again and again and again and again until it becomes a part of you. And so... I did a thing. I, I'm, a, I'm an old engineer, and I love numbers. Numbers fascinate me. I saw how many times in the Bible there, there, were, there were numbers, a lot of threes. You know, faith, hope, and love. The greatest these is love, you know. Uh, I read out of Jude the other day. He said, you need to build up yourself in your most holy faith, pray in the Holy Ghost, and walk in love. He's just listed all the nasty things that are going to happen on the planet in the last days. He said, you do three things. Build up your faith. How do you do that? Read your Bible. 
Pray in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because you're praying the absolute perfect will of God. The Holy Spirit sees you five minutes, five days, five weeks from now. He'll pray God's will to pass for you. What are you doing when you pray in the Spirit? I'm praying things I don't know. It's bypassing my brain. It's God. I hate to say this word. It's almost like God's cheating. He's going to use my spirit, the Holy Spirit, to pray out the perfect will of the Father for me. What did you pray when you prayed in tongues? I don't have a clue. I'm just praying in tongues. I don't understand. Nobody else understood, but uh, but God understood. The Holy Spirit in me prayed out the perfect will of God. Why? God cannot do anything on this planet unless you ask him. I mentioned the other night, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus said repeatedly, you have not because you ask not. Why didn't God do it? Isn't God loving? Yes, but he can't do a thing unless you ask him. It's not legal. Satan became the legal God of this planet when Adam sinned. He took over. He's 2 Corinthians 4, 4. How do you get God down here? You've got to pray. It's not how long you pray. It's not how hard you pray. You don't have to shave your head, light a candle, suck rug, hum a hymn, put on the CD. You just need to ask. You know, you've got to pray something. So what I'm going to do here and kind of give you this, this is, um, I, just pulled out, I just pulled out a few of these. Because Ephesians 6, um, like I said, that was my cornerstone. I'm going to read from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is a great, great deal. Here's, here's the Apostle Paul. This is his last letter. He's written two-thirds of the New Testament Praise and tongues more than anybody. Uh, he's getting ready to go home. He said, I've run my race. I had finished my course. I'm through. I'm done. He said, I wanted to go home several years ago, but I, I didn't. I stayed because of you, because you needed stuff you don't have yet. So I really wanted to go into heaven and be with Jesus, but I stuck around for your sake. So he's ready. this is his last letter. All of a sudden, he's getting ready to die. He knows it. He's going to be martyred. What's going on? I'm going. I'm out of here. And he gets a letter from his son in the faith, Timothy. Now, Paul was never married. He had no natural children of his own, but he had adopted Timothy. Now, we don't know about Timothy's father. The Bible tells us about his grandmother, about his mother, no mention of his grandfather or his father. If they were there, they didn't do anything worth writing about. Okay? It's just the mamas. And maybe he's a single, you know, single parent kid. I don't know. So I've got to go with what I do know. So 2 Timothy... Paul's getting ready to die, and he gets a letter from Timothy. Now, the reason I know this because this is his response to the letter he got from Timothy. Second Timothy is Paul's letter back to Timothy uh, for what's going on. And based on what he wrote back, I'm assuming Timothy has written something like this. Paul, Paul, don't die. Now, most theologians believe he's pastoring the church at Ephesus. They estimate it could have been 5,000, it could have been 20,000. Either way, it's a big old church. Timothy's been very successful. Man, he is kicking, tail-taking names. He is writing his name in the Lamb's Book of Life and a lot of other people with him. He's just doing great. Paul's so happy. He's content. And all of a sudden, right before he dies, he gets this letter. Paul, don't die. Paul, please don't go anywhere. Paul, I need help. You've got to come over here. It's a mess. Man, I'm losing everything. I'm losing my mind. I'm losing stuff. Because what Paul wrote back was, you don't have a spirit of fear. Well, that's exactly what he's got. I'm scared. I'm going to lose it. He said, I'm losing my mind. I'm going crazy. I don't know what's going on. Please, Paul, come over here and give me a sabbatical. Take my church and give me a sabbatical. Now, Paul's locked up. He's in jail. He knows he's getting ready to die. Right before he leaves, his favorite son in the faith that's done the most for the body of Christ has gone stupid on him. Now, the reason I'm saying this, I don't care how many kids you've got or how old they are. Parenting is not a destination. It's a journey. Good people go stupid every day. Jimmy Swagger did it. Jim Baker did it. You know, we, you, I start naming these people that we honored, respected as great men in God, great women of God. What happened? They went stupid. Why? They still have flesh. If you don't keep growing in God, you're going to go stupid. Now, the old people called it backsliding. We don't use that word anymore. It's just kind of old. 
What did you? Backslide? What does that mean? Well, you went the wrong direction. If you're not growing in his grace and his knowledge, you're going the other direction. There is no neutral ground to stay in. So my deal is when I had kids, I said, I want you to grow up. I want you to keep growing up. That means you've got you to gotta pray every day, repent every day, forgive every day. You've got to feed on the Word of God every day. You need a fellowship with the saints. You need to hang out in church and volunteer and do stuff for other people. If you stop growing, hell's going to make a run at you. The people that make it are the people that are really active. You know, it's just like, what are you doing? Let's go do something. Let's go be a blessing to somebody somewhere. So this is what Paul writes back. And so I'm just going to jump in at verse 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I have been sent to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace and mercy and peace. Now here's where it starts, verse 3. Timothy. Now he's already got the letter knowing that Timothy's not doing good. He's got a bad letter. Timothy, I thank God for you, <laughs> for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your, uh, I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith. You share your faith, the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith is strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. King James is a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Now here's what Paul's having to do. He's having to write them back because he just got a letter from them. What's going on? He, he, he does have a spirit of fear. He has no power. He's burned out. You ever been burned out? People talk about it all the time. Burned out. You go to a Christian bookstore, there's probably a whole shelf of books on being burned out. I'm burned out in Jesus. Burned out. So my fellow man, I'm burned out. Me and a mother and a father, I just burned out. Well, that's because the Bible says you're supposed to take heed to yourself than other people. Because if, if you don't stay loaded up, people will drain you. And then you'll blame them. Well, my family just wore me out. And they just wore me out. No, you wore yourself out because you didn't load back up. Even Jesus got aside by himself every night to load back up. Quit blaming other people. You've got to load yourself up. He's got a spirit of fear. He has no power. Man, I'm fried. Paul, you've got to keep me. I'm just burnt. He didn't have any love. I don't love them. I don't care if they all go to hell. They're just giving me fits, every one of them. I don't love one of them. And he said he has a sound mind. I'm telling I'm losing my mind. I'm, I'm going crazy. I'm just thinking weird stuff. And I just don't know, man. I'm just thinking about just killing myself. I, I'm losing my mind. Paul, come, come get me. Well, Paul wrote him back and says, no, you do not have a spirit of fear. Now, why is he having to tell him that? Because that's what he's got. God said an angel would tell Gideon he was a mighty man of courage when he was a wimp hiding in a hole. Judges 6. The angel landed next to the hole and says, hello, you mighty man of courage. Gideon was not a mighty man of courage. His whole country has gone into captivity because they've left God. And the enemy came in and just started having their herds mingle with their herds, their flocks with their flocks. Next thing you know, they knocked on the door of the, of the Israelis and said, we want you to leave your house. We want your house. And, and, the, and the Jews headed for the hills. So here's Gideon. He's hiding in a hole out there in the wilderness, stomping on some wheat to make enough flour to make him a biscuit so he didn't starve to death. He is not a mighty man or nothing. He's a wimp hiding in a hole. But God sends an angel, lands next to him, says, Hello, you mighty men of courage. 
And Judges 6 is getting argued with the angel. You made a wrong turn coming out of heaven. There are no mighty men in this hole. You, you got the wrong hole. And he said, my name's Gideon. I am the youngest member of my family. My family's the wimpest of my tribe. My tribe's the wimpest of the 12. Of the 12, we've all wimped out. I'm hiding in the hole because I'm starving to death. Now, you've got to understand God. God sent an angel to call Gideon what he was going to become, not what he was. I, I only deal with Christian parents. It is the most frustrating thing. Well, you need to grow up. You just need to grow up. Well, what does that mean? How do I do this? Is there a button I push, something I sign? How's that happen? Well, you better do what's right. Well, what is that? Because evidently everything I'm doing is wrong because you're really frustrated about what is right. And we're yelling at them, but we're not teaching them and we're not training them. And we wonder why they don't turn out. I hate God, and I hate you, and I hate mom, and I hate church, and I hate school. Why? Nobody taught you anything. Your sin nature is in full control. I mean, you're running full but what? Training and teaching is a lifetime process. You start the moment they're weaned from their mothers, line upon line, precept upon precept. Teach them what? Who they are. You're a child of God. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You can pray the absolutely perfect will of the Father by praying in the Holy Ghost. That's why we need to get you filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to meditate in the Word day and night. Then you'll prosper and have good success. Now, I said them quick, I think, last night. Third John 2, Joshua 8, Psalms 1. God's not going to prosper me. There's not one promise about that. God said he'd give me wisdom. I will make my way prosperous. God won't make me prosperous. I will make my way prosperous by the wisdom of God. Well, we're just waiting on God to bless us. He's not. He's already blessed us. Jesus went to the cross, got the snot beat out of him, came out of the grave, went to heaven at the right hand of the Father. He's done. He's through. Everything that pertains to life and God is he's already given us, we own. What we're trying to do is teach the truth to people that have been blinded by the devil. We're just waiting on God. No, you're not. Nobody's waiting on God. God's through. He's in heaven. He's waiting on us to do something. That's why we lay hands on a sick neighbor covered. They're not going to recover until we lay hands on somebody. People get saved when we preach the gospel, not before, but after we preach the gospel. Faith without works is dead. If you don't walk around the walls of Jericho, God's not going to knock them down. If you don't lift up the staff, God's not going to park the water. God's waiting on us to start something. That we get so hyper-spiritual, well, we're just waiting on God. No, you're not. Nobody's waiting on God. God's waiting on us. So here's his favorite son, Paul, who prayed in tongues more than anybody, said, you need to fan the flame of the gift that's in you. King James says, you need to stir up the gift that's in you. What is it? You received a gift for ministry when I laid my hands on you. You received it. When I, there is no other gift to give you. There's not another box. There's not another package. There's not another laying on hand service. You got it all when I gave it to you the first time. It's not leaked out. Your job is to stir it up. You stir up the gift that's in you. You lay hands on the sick. You walk by faith. We get in this thing where all of a sudden, among us, we're waiting on God. And God says, I've done everything. I'm waiting on you. And it's because we don't feed on the Word of God. We got to do something. We got to start making plans, get visions, get dreams. There are heathens that make this law work. And yet they'll bust out wide open. They don't get saved. So all of a sudden, here's Tim. It's like, what is it? You don't have a spirit of fear, son. You got a spirit of power. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Don't tell me you don't have power. Don't tell me you hate those people. The love of God is shed and brought in your heart by the Holy Ghost. It's in you. It's never left. Start acting like it. And don't tell me you're going crazy. You have the mind of Christ. People who have the mind of Christ can't go crazy.
All Paul did, he gave him nothing new, no magic wand, no new revelation. Come on down, we have a Holy Ghost laid on hand service. You already got it. You need to stir it up. And so sometimes with our kids, when they go through hard times, maybe they don't have any friends and they didn't make first chair flute or, you know, they didn't make the ball team. Well, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Now, I'm telling you something. Bless your heart is southern for you're stupid. <laughs> All southern mothers and grandmothers, well, bless your heart. That means you're stupid, doofus. What's the matter with you? But they'll patch it and give you some hot chocolate. We just love, bless your little stupid heart. Have some hot chocolate. And it won't do a thing for you. It'll just make you fatter. It just doesn't do a thing for you. So I said, you realize something? God laid out in his word what we were to do. I'm to train up my children in the way they should go. Are they perfect? Huh? they got flesh. Spirit, soul, and body. Their flesh is never going to do what's right. What are you trying to do? I'm trying to get them born again. That where their spirit's brand new, hooked up to the Holy Ghost. Now I'm trying to get the word of God in their mind so their spirit and soul can get in agreement, tell their flesh to sit down and shut up. You're going to do what's right. I know your flesh is pulling you to do wrong. You're going to be tempted the rest of your life. You will never get to a point where you'll never be tempted again. I mean, and I said, Jimmy Swaggart, I love Jimmy Swaggart. Man, I, man he, he got more people saved than Billy Graham. Did you know that? I mean, did you know they write that, that he, more people came to the kingdom because of Jimmy Swaggart than Billy Graham? And what happened to him? Well, just because God's moved through you before doesn't mean he's moved through you now. You know, Jesus, remember, if you read these are scary scriptures, you never preach these in church. There'll be people who came to Jesus. Lord, did we not cast out devils in your name, lay hands and sick in your name, do mighty works in your name? Jesus said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Now, like what the message says, just because I used you doesn't mean I knew you. I used donkeys. I didn't know the donkey, but I used the donkey. And people get deceived just because God moves through. Well, God must love me. He moved through me. God moved through Samson 30 minutes after he slept with a harlot. He had such an anointing on him, he ripped gates off a city wall. God has moved through him like a freight train, but he was eyeball deep in sin. It eventually cost him his eyeballs. Sin a key. God's real long-suffering. God's real patient, but not forever. So what happens is what we're trying to do is train up the next generation. And here's what I realize. If I'm going to have to train you, evidently, I'm going to have to learn something myself. Because my kids know I'm not perfect. They know they don't have perfect parents. They know we don't do everything right. You better do what's right. Well, you don't. What? <laughs> you know, like, they need to know that you repent and forgive on a regular basis because that's what you're going to teach them to do. I'm going to teach you how to live like I'm living. If you sin, you need to repent quick. If somebody sins against you, forgive quick. Don't, don't let that offense get a hold of you because if you get offended, nobody can deliver you except you. People are offended. Their offenses, the Bible says, are like the bars of a castle. You've, you've trapped yourself. Well, you don't know what they did. I don't care what they did. You don't know what they said. I don't care what they said. That's them. Let it go. Forgive them and let it go. Or that thing's going to open the door to every demon in hell. It'll chase you the rest of your life. And you'll use that your whole life. You know what I didn't make? Because what they did, what my daddy did, what my mom did, what they didn't do. If my daddy had loved me, I'd have been somebody. If my mommy had loved me, I'd have been somebody. If they hadn't kicked me out, I'd have been somebody. Like you think you're the only one with a sad story? You're not the only one with a sad story. And so what happens is that's why the local church is the most powerful thing on this planet. What are you going to do? I'm going to learn who I am in him, in whom in Christ. Jesus never sinned once. They tried to kill him on a regular basis. I mean, a rot broke out almost every time he preached. What did he do wrong? Nothing. There's a devil in hell that doesn't like you. So once you get in the Word of God, you realize, hmm, well, I guess I know what the score is here. 
I'm a child of God on an alien planet. But God has not left me nor forsaken me. The angels of God camp round about me everywhere I go. God talks to me when I go to sleep at night, when I wake up, Proverbs chapter 4. I am blessed and highly favored. I am called to be an overcomer and a more than a conqueror. So what happens if you flunk a test? Study more. What happens if you take the ball team? Maybe you need to go to some summer camps and learn how to get better. You know, it's like instead of blaming somebody, why well, I didn't make it, and then the reason I didn't make it, and therefore I didn't make it. No, it's not your fault. You're called to be more than a conqueror and overcomer. They're going to hell. They're just not. They're not. Your, they're not your problem. You're your problem. You're supposed to be more than a conqueror. Walk in love. Go the second mile. Do something extra. Do something impressive. Show up early. Stay late. Don't take a long lunch. Do stuff. But no, we love to come up with great spiritual songs like Take This Job and Shove It, I Ain't Working Here No More. It's a great spiritual hymn. It was, it was a bestseller for a year. Praise God. Yeah, it didn't go too good, did it? <laughs> now I'm going to give you these. I love these. I'm just going to kind of do a, I'm going to do a little stepping stone across the creek here for just a little bit. Uh, I've already given you Jude, verse 20 and 21, because I love these number things. Build up yourself in your most holy faith. I just tell my kids, Dad, what am I going to do? Well, baby, you need some faith. Without faith, you don't please God. Without faith, you don't whip the devil. Right now, you got... And I've listed it for my kids on three by five cards. The scripture where there's great faith, little faith, no faith, weak faith. Faith is a muscle. You know, the way you build muscles is by using it. When you use your muscle, it tears it down. That's how people get big muscles. How'd you get such a big muscle? I kept tearing them down. My body said, well, that's not good. We better make that one stronger. He keeps using that one too much. So you go lift weights in the gym, play football. What are you doing? Well, I'm trying to make my muscles bigger. But doing what? Kill off the ones I got. It's, they're panicking. Oh, my God, what's he doing? What's he doing? Quit doing that. When well, you're trying to you know, bench press you know, 220 pounds, 280 pounds, what are you doing? Your muscles, don't do that. Don't do that. You're killing us. And so you go to sleep, and I said, man, we got to get, hey, go get some other white blood cells. Get them in here. We've got to build this thing up. He might try to do that again tomorrow. And that's where muscles come from by killing the ones that are there. We gotta beef up. Why do you beef up your faith? Everybody I ever met had great faith had been through hell. How'd you get great faith? Went through hell. How'd you get such great kids? They almost went to hell. How'd you get such a great marriage? We almost killed each other off. I'm serious, you know, you're laughing. How do you how do you become successful? You almost have to go through hell like you know, what's going on? That's why we laughed last night about Paul turning that guy over to the devil that his flesh might be saved in the day of judgment. What are you going to do? Hell's coming. What's going to do? It's going to make you get right with God, we hope. That's the prayer. Like, woo. So, I give you this in Micah 6.8. I used to quote this a long time. Micah 6.8, three things, O man of God, do I require of you. Uh, do justly, love mercy, walk humbly. Do justly. It's like, I would put these on three by five cards. Here's your word for the week. Do justly this week. What? Do what's right. Do what's right. Do justice. God's looking. The devil's looking. And angels are writing down everything you do, everything you say, and everything you think. You do not get away with anything. Judgment starts at the house of God. Do what's right because it's right to do what's right. Love mercy. What's that mean? Be forgiving. Quit judging other people. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what they were given or not given, what they were trained in or not trained in. Be forgiving. Walk in love. Quit judging everybody. If every time you open your mouth you judge somebody, Romans 2, 1 is very clear. Be careful when you judge somebody else. When you judge somebody else, you condemn yourself or it takes one to know one. So just be real forgiving. Well, bless your heart. Yeah. How can I help you? What can I do for you? Do just love mercy. Walk humbly. Now, what's humble? Well, God exalts the humble. How do you get promoted? Humble yourself. 
Quit being arrogant. Quit being prideful. Pride goes before a fall. Do justly. Love mercy. Walk home. If you just did those three things, your life would go really good. And, that, and that's just one verse. You understand? That's just one verse. If you start teaching your kids, so they say, how'd you train your kids? With the Word of God. Not, you better do what I say. You better not disappoint your mother. You better not disappoint your father. That won't hold water in an empty bucket. The Word of God is what we're supposed to put inside of them. Train them up in the way they should go. What? With the Word of God. Well, they don't understand it. Sure they do. God will, listen, the Holy Ghost will use that Word, and He'll teach it to them. But somebody's got to teach them the Word. Like I said, I shared the other night, they didn't let us get saved. We were 12 in the First Baptist Church. From the time I was 12, I pretty much had my mind made up about God. They should have got to me when I was three. You understand? And they did. And thank God somebody prayed for me and got me into the kingdom. I like this one. Quote of this, Third John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things you'd prosper, be in health, there's a soul prosperous. Now, I'm going to reverse this. And I told my kids, your prosperity and your health are, are tied to how much Scripture you got in you and how much you believe. Um, if you're not meditating on the Word of God, you're probably not praying the Word of God. You're not thinking on the Word of God. That means you're probably not prosperous. You're not doing well health-wise. The devil makes a run at everybody. I don't care how blessed you are. The devil will make a run at you. He'll try to steal your money. You don't have to do anything wrong. You don't have to sin. He'll try to bankrupt you. He'll try to steal your raise, steal your job, steal your promotion. He's a thief. Don't get bent out of shape. Just understand what's going on. Well, the devil's trying to steal my race. I'm going, to I'm going to claim it back. I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus against him. I declare I'm going to be the head, not the tail. If anybody's going to get a raise down here, it's going to be me. If anybody's going to get a promotion, I'm going to get promoted because I am a child of God. I am going to be the head, not the tail. Isn't it? I'm going where I'm celebrated, not tolerated, Father. People love me, and they don't even know why. If my boss won't treat me right, move him out. Bless him, send him somewhere else, and give me his job, because I'm going to treat people right. And people used to ask, how'd you get promoted? I pray, this, it sounds horrible. I prayed people out. I mean, what'd you do? I prayed them out. I'm not just, man, stinking boss, a stinking job. Pray them out. Quit griping, putting bumpers together. Father, I thank you. You said, if I don't work, I don't eat. And I like to eat, and I got a big family, and they need to eat, so I need to work. And I need to be blessed. I need to raise. Lord, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do what's right. I'm not going to cheat this company. I'm not going to steal from them. I'm going to do the best I can. And if my boss is hindering that in some way, I'll pray him out. Lord, bless him. Send him somewhere else. I don't curse him. Bless him. Send him somewhere else. Give me his job. I'll, I'll do right. I'll, I'll treat people right. I'll do what's right. I'll confront what needs to be confronted, and, I, and I'll, I'll bless what needs to be blessed. And that people, that's how, they, that's how I got all my raises. Like I said, when I became an engineer, I was a non-degreed engineer. I didn't get my degree until after I became an engineer. Why? Because I pray that all the time. I work hard. My daddy said, if you work hard and pay your tithe, you'll get opportunities others don't get. That's a good idea. I like that thought. Now, uh, I want to read Daniel chapter 1 here just a second. Now, I'm going to hold this up. You can come see this in a little bit when we dismiss. I have hundreds of these. Um. Uh, uh, I did not do well in school. I hated school. I just did. Um, I don't know why, I just did. And so when I got out of the Army and I got a job, I realized, I said it last night, you only get paid for two things. You get paid for what you know and what you can do. And based on my paycheck, I did not know anything, nor could I do anything. But i got to go learn something, so i got to go back to school. And that's why uh, when I was here last year, I told you I made all my girls, all five of my girls, I made them take a 10-key course at the local junior college. It was $40, $39.95. Uh, ten nights, you go down, you learn to do a 10-key, a calculator. One, two, three, four, five. If you can run a calculator, you can get a job at any bank in America because they need 10-key operators constantly. 
And usually they'll start you out at a minimum about $15 an hour. You'll work in the air conditioning when it's hot. You'll work in the heat when it's cold. You get to dress up and work around people who have money. Otherwise, you're going to be working at McDonald's at midnight making minimum wage. Now, I know they just protest McDonald's, but you can protest them all at once. That's not going to help you. You need to go get make more money. Let them protest. You go make more money. Deep thought, I know. Deep thought. And so... And then I made John take welding courses. Now, he didn't like to weld, but he's, really, he's a good welder. Why? Because if you can weld in Oklahoma, we got more fences than we got grass on the field. We got cows everywhere. We don't got cows, we got horses. We need fences. And they got a lot of metal fences because they don't like to keep putting them up because we don't have good wood out there. We got cheap, skanky wood. They burn it all down or built oil wells out of it at the turn of the century when the oil boom was there. So we got skank wood. So if you can weld, you can build, you can weld fences from here to Jesus comes. And they'll pay you really, really good. So he took a welding course. It took three weeks. What did you do? I took a three-week welding course. I didn't stay home, sleep on the couch, watch Monday Night Football. I went and took a welding course. I took a 10-key course. And so if you do that, you get promoted. I told you, I think, uh, when Jessica got a job at the Bank of Oklahoma, uh, she was going for her fifth interview because this is commercial banking. You're moving up the food chain. So... The fifth interview was the vice president. Uh, evidently a nice lady. I never met her. Just said, does my fifth interview. I thought, you know, I got this job. I got this job. And the lady finally said, well, we're going to hire you. I said, well, I'm excited. I'm honored. Thank you. She said, do you know why we hired you? And Jessica sort of took her off because she just said, we're going to hire you. And so I figured, well, we've done all the things I need to do. I said, do you know why we hired you? She said, well, ma'am, I guess it's because um, I made straight A's in, in, in college uh, in accounting. She says, no, we don't, we don't hire accountants in commercial banking unless they make straight A's. This is big money. Do you know why we hired you? She said, well, I guess because I have good people skills. I come from a big family, got five brothers and sisters. You know, there's six of us and have great people skills. She says, no, honey, we don't hire people in commercial banking unless they have good people skills. Uh, that's not why we hired you. Do you know when we hired you? She said, no, ma'am, I'm being honest with you. I, I don't have a clue. She said, it's because you scored the third highest ever on the 10-key test. Because one of the things to get the job, you had to take a 10-key test. That's commercial banking. You need a degree in accounting. She came home and said, you can't believe it. You know why they hired me? I said, no, for a $39 course. It wasn't a $70,000 education. They hired me for the $39 course. <laughs> and what most humans, if you'll notice them in your place of employment where you're at most of the time, are trying to figure out how to get out of work, how to do less, not do more. The Bible says go the second mile. Give them your coat as well as your shirt. If you do extra, heathens love people who do extra. Christians really love it because most people are lazy. They don't want to do extra. So I told them, if you'll do extra, learn extra, you'll go places other people won't go. And so what I did, I put these things together for them. So I'll just hold them up. You can see here. These, I don't even know what this series is about. This is about being debt-free. Uh, I told my kids, get out of college. You want to make sure you get debt-free. You know, Romans 13, 8, owe no man nothing except to love him. Deuteronomy 15.6, you will lend money and you will not borrow. Deuteronomy 28.12, the Lord will bless the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you'll never need to borrow. And I just go through these things about paying your debt. You don't owe anybody. So why don't you do that? Well, because we are the most debtor nation on the face of the planet. You know, we owe everybody and their dog. Uh, plus, 97% of all American families have no budget. You don't know how much you owe, how much you own. So money's a really big deal. You need to know how to make money. Um, what happens is most of us think, well, somebody feels sorry for us. No, they won't. No, everybody feels sorry for themselves. So I've told people, it's not the education you have. And I said, I'm an educator. It's what you'll do for somebody. I can help you. If you'll do that, they're going to promote you. He's the ones I pray with myself about husbands, how I'm supposed to love my wife like Christ loved the church. 
I'm to give honor to my wife, treat her with understanding. Woo, have mercy. I need to treat her right so my prayers won't be hindered. I'm to keep my tongue from speaking evil, my lips from telling lies. God made us two, not just one. And so I go through the remind myself, what are you supposed to do? I'm supposed to love my wife. And that doesn't mean that. That's not the Valentine love. <laughs> that's, the, that's the expensive love. You know, i got to do something for you when I don't want to and I don't feel like it. The real kind of love. That's good. These are about being led by the Spirit. I tell my kids, you know, well, I just don't know what to do. What Spirit of God's going to lead you? Well, let's just read some of them. I said, uh, you are my rock, my fortress. Uh, for your namesake, you are leading me and guiding me, Psalm 31.3. You are instructing me and teaching me in the way I should go. You are guiding me with your eye, Psalm 32.8. You teach me the way of wisdom. You lead me in the right path. When I walk, my steps will not be hindered. When I run, I will not stumble, Proverbs 4.11. I mean, those are, those are bumper sticker stuff. And I gave it to my kids. I said, don't ever tell me you don't know what to do. What you said is God's went deaf, dumb, and died. Because he said he's leading you all the time, guiding you all the time, directing you all the time. If you don't know what to do, it's because you're not listening. You're gum flapping too much. You're not getting caught listening to God. God said he'd lead you everywhere you go. Uh, oh, gosh, I call this the fabulous five. Uh, the principle of two or three witnesses. God watches over his word to perform it. That's why you got to get the Bible. Jeremiah one twelve. I watch over my word to perform it. Psalm 138, verse 2. You have magnified your word. Isaiah 40, verse 8. God's word stands forever. First Peter one twenty five. The word of the Lord endures forever. It's just like, you better get some scripture because that's how God leads. If you don't know what to do, you, you need to start reading your Bible. Start getting your mind think the right thoughts. Oh, this is great. This is on worry. <laughs> Sit and read that later tonight. I mean, we should. Philippians 4. I like this. Philippians 4, 6. That's the most famous. Don't worry about anything or be anxious for nothing. Pray about everything. About what? Everything. Whatever you're thinking. If you're worried about something, you ought to start praying about it. And not get, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, pray about it. God said he'd talk to you and show you what to do. It's like, well, it seems pretty simple. Uh, Luke 12, 35. Cast all your cares over God, for he cares for you. Um, Matthew thirteen twelve. Uh, roll the cares of this life on God, because uh, the cares of this world choke the word. What's the what is worry trying to do? Choke the word of God, the very thing that gets you blessed. Oh, these are good. This is on evil. People are afraid of evil. This is like Halloween. Uh, Psalm twenty three verse four. I will fear no evil. Hmm, how about that? Psalm ninety one ten. No evil will conquer me. Psalm one twelve verse seven. I will not be afraid of evil tidings. See if you hear about evil, what is it? Doesn't matter. God's going to work all things out to my good. Whatever the devil steals, he's going to make the devil pay back seven times. You can't take me out. Like this, Psalm 120, verse 7, the Lord will preserve you from all evil. And then John 17, Jesus said this, Father, keep them from the evil one that's in the world. And that's just five. I just I keep five as the number of grace, so I like that number. So what do you realize? I'm not afraid of no evil. I've been told over and over again. Now, what we did, because I have three whole punts, I put them in a book for them so they can just keep it with them. So don't you ever worry. You need to meditate on the Word of God. I'm not trying to make you holy. That's God's job. I'm trying to teach you so you'll prosper and have good success. I said, you want to prosper and have good success? You know? Did you have a good date Friday night? Nope. Well, I don't think God was in that then, probably, was he? Was it a successful date? <laughs> How did how'd the chemistry test go? Was it a success? No. Well, we got some work to do there because that's, that's not the will of God, you know. You flunk out? That's not the will of God, you know. Did you get fired? That's not the will of God. Did you be the head, not the tail? It didn't say that, um, and I, 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 wore this, I wore this one out, this right here. I carry this with me. Uh, the kids, they get all gum flappy on me, and I, I used to just wear them out with this one. I read this last year, but if you weren't here, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11. This is the Apostle Paul. Prayed in tongues more than anybody. Uh, 
and this is him. This is the only time he got negative. Wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He never, a couple things. Number one, he never mentions the devil until almost the last chapter. The devil is not on an equal plane with God. He's a fallen angel. Deadly, kill you, but he's not on an equal plane with God. It is not a 50-50 war going on. You understand. But he will kill you. Paul never mentions the devil until almost the last chapter of every book he wrote. Like he's an afterthought. This is where he got mad, I think. I think maybe he missed breakfast, lunch, dinner, and he just had a bad day. He, you know, he got mad once at John Mark. He, just, he, he was hot-tempered. Because this is the only place where he just unloaded one day. Because they'd written a letter to him. You know, 1 Corinthians, he'd written a letter. Cause, and, and they wrote him back, Paul, it's hard over here. You don't know what's going on. So we got a guy shacking up with his mother-in-law, people getting drunk at communion. It's, it's hard. You've got to come help us. And I think he just got mad at them. Bless their heart. They got petition. He just got mad. And so what he's mad at is that they're griping because they're having a hard time. We're just having a hard Paul. It's hard. It's just hard to live as Christian life. It's hard. So here's what he wrote back, 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter 11, verse 24. He wrote this. and it's, I'm just jumping in about a third of the way through it. There's other stuff, but I just get to the meat of it. He writes back and he says, listen to me. Is you having a hard time? Personally, I can't relate. Well, then again, maybe I can. And so he writes this. He's five times I was beaten with 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. I mean, like, that's eight times he got whipped. You ever been whipped? Mm-hmm, yeah. How many times? Eight. Eight times they beat the dog out of me. Really? One time I was, I was stoned to death. Now, I love this. Now, when we did this in Bible school, it's like, well, he was writing that he was stoned to death. Well, how do you get stoned to death if he's writing a letter? <laughs> Most theologians said he, walk, he woke up the next day off the stone pile and walked back into town. And it's like people said, hey, isn't that Paul? I thought we killed him yesterday. Well, he's back. <laughs> they don't put that in the Easter movie. Um, three times I was shipwrecked. Paul couldn't get on a boat without it sinking. I mean, can you imagine? Who are you? I'm the Apostle Paul. Hikimo, who stole a Mahonda. I'm writing two-thirds of New Testament. I'm the Apostle of God. What's going on with it? I can't get on a boat without it sinking. I have no boat faith at all. Every boat I get on goes down. I mean, you ever think maybe he hollered to God when that boat was, Hey, how about a little help, God? How about a little help here? Man, that's my third one to go down. Once I spent a whole day and night adrift at sea, I've traveled many long journeys. I faced danger from rivers and danger from robbers. I faced danger from my own people as well as the Gentiles. I faced danger in the cities, in the desert, and on the seas. I faced danger from men who claimed to be my friends, but they were not. I worked hard. I worked long. I have endured many sleepless nights. Oh, how about that? I've been hungry. I've been thirsty. I have gone often without food. I've shivered in the cold without no clothes to keep me warm. I got the daily burden of my concern for the churches. And he said, the governor's got people looking for me to kill me. I tell people there's not a third Corinthians. They, they didn't write him back. <laughs> we're, we're sorry we even complained. I, I'm, I don't know. Now, I do that because I gave this to my kids because the kids, well, you just don't know what I'm going through down. The teacher and the coach and the people in the classroom. And you just don't know my boss and what I'm going to shut your face up. What did you think? You're living at Disney World? I've been to Disney World. It's really nice. We don't live there. We pay a lot of money to visit for a short time. Do you, do you understand? You live on planet Earth. You've got enemies. You've got people who don't like you. You've got, you got a devil. If you don't know who you are, you're going to be a thumb sucker until Jesus comes. God forbid the person that marries you and the children you have because you're going to reproduce yourself. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running. You're going to reproduce a bunch of thumb sucking people. 
Well, this is hard. It's hard. It drives talk TV. It drives talk radio. We have another caller on the phone. Caller, what do you think about this? Well, I'm hanging right now. Look, well, look, well, look, well, 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 I go back to, you're supposed to meditate in the Word of God. You're supposed to know you're on an alien planet. Your kids need to know that. What's going to happen to you? Well, God's going to make you very successful. You're going to be really famous. You're going to make a lot of money. It's in Psalm 112. Why? Because you fear God. What if I don't? Oh, don't worry. I'm going to pray it over you every day twice. I'm going to soak you in it. You can't outrun God. I'm going to cut the Holy Ghost loose on you. So many angels, people going to cross your path. Heathens are going to cross your path. Scared the snot out of you. You're going to fear God. Because that's the beginning of wisdom. I'm not going to raise an idiot. I'm going to raise a godly child. So if you flunk out, you're going to summer school. <laughs> you lose your driver's license, your mother's going to drive you to school. <laughs> so you're not going to go stupid on me. It's not that your kids are perfect. It's that the righteous fall seven times a day, they get back up. We're not the perfect people. We're the getting back up people. But if you're not in the Word of God, it's a slow move backward. Old first year will just stop. What do you do? Well, I'm not growing if you're not growing, you're going the other direction. Then one bad thing happens. Then two bad things happen. I'm telling you, hell is attracted to stupidity. The devil show up, he'll bring friends. You know, you cast the devil out of that guy. If you don't get him filled with God and the Word of God, the devil show back up worse than before he left. The devil never comes back the way it is. He comes back worse. So what it is is you have no choice but to fight the fight of faith. You get to believe God. You get to get sweet sleep at night. Maybe somebody's going to suck the lips off your face and not cuss you out every day. Have children's going to bring you honor, not dishonor. But you have to work at it. It's even ministry we teach in Bible school. It's called the work of the ministry. Ministry is not what you see on television. Not that that's not legitimate, but trust me, that it's not real ministry. Real ministry is you're having to whip devils and take names. You're having to pray and plead the blood and believe God because there is opposition. God told you that, but he said not to be afraid of it. Don't, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. I'll be with you. I'll supply all your need. Well, what I get to do? I get to believe God. But the moment you stop believing God and you get spiritually lazy, that's where hell gets attracted. So that's why you teach your kids early. If you teach them early, good things start happening. Now, I'm going to hold these up. Uh, I held this up last year. This is the, these are all the scriptures in the Bible on why simple, foolish, and scornful. Four kinds of kids. Wise children, just give you the rundown on the first in case you didn't hear it. Uh, wise children will increase learning. They'll inherit glory. They love those that get on to them. They make their father glad. They lay up knowledge. They refrain their lips from stupidity. They win souls. Their tongue is their help. They hear their father's instruction. They depart from evil. Their lips disperse knowledge. They can pacify the wrath of a king. They are prudent. Uh, the ear seeks knowledge. Uh, they are not deceived by a wine or strong drink. And in their home is treasure to be desired. And that's just one page. It's just loaded. I, I, I told my kids, uh, and, and I got them all except on three or five cards, they just wore them out. Um, if you're not wise, you're simple-minded, and good things will not happen to you. If you stay there, you're a fool, and trust me, good things will not ever happen to you. If you stay there, you're going to become a scorner. There is no option but to live by faith. There is no option. You get to. You don't have to. You get to. You get to believe God when you go to sleep. Father, I thank you. Give your beloved sweet sleep. So, Father, tonight I thank you. I'll pray it. I'll pray it every night. Father, I thank you for Sarah, Jess, Corey, Tess, Lauren, John, Denise, and I, Matt, and Mark, and my mother. Father, I thank you for giving us sweet sleep tonight. We're going to sleep good, and you're going to talk to us when we go to sleep, and we get up in Jesus' name. Amen. 
People say, you sleep good? I sleep real good. Now, I don't like traveling. People say, you like traveling? I hate traveling. <laughs> I hate it with a passion. I, I like home. I'm going to go home. I'm going to sleep in my bed. I'm going to eat at my kitchen table. Uh, but I have become a mattress connoisseur. I've slept more hotels you just can't imagine. Uh, usually I spend the night about 250 nights somewhere besides my home doing what we do. Now, I love what I do. I just don't like what it takes to get it done, but I just have to, what is it? Well, this, praise God, let's go get on an airplane. Praise God. <laughs> and, of course, my mother-in-law, thank God she's gone home to be with Jesus because she'd cut out articles all the time about planes that crashed. I'd go to her house and say, hey, Joanna, did you see this plane that crashed? No, ma'am, I appreciate you pointing that out to him. Praise God. Thank you as though I wasn't thinking about it already. <laughs> and even my wife and I said, did you see about those two planes nearly collided? No, babe, I missed that, but I appreciate you bringing that up because I wasn't thinking about it, but now I am. Praise God, you're a blessing. And, of course, she'll laugh now. I'm sorry. So that's right. Just, I don't think on stupid things. Think on these things, not those things. And you, you begin to learn in life, everyone has strengths and weaknesses. You're good at something your neighbor's not good at. They're good at something you're not good at. That's why you need to be in the body of Christ. I need you and you need me. You'll never make it by yourself because you don't have all the gifts. You just got one of them. Somebody else got the rest of them. So anyhow, I'll give you this. This is the, this is, uh, this is the Luke 2.52 where Jesus grew, and he grew in four areas. Jesus grew in wisdom. Um, I need to grow in wisdom so my kids are growing in wisdom. Um, I said last night, wisdom's the principal thing, Proverbs 4.7. Wisdom is going to get you a long life, riches, and honor, Proverbs 3.16. Uh, you walk with wise men, you'll be wise. Companion fools will be destroyed. You just got to, how are you going to get wisdom? Well, I'm going to ask for it, and I'm going to hang out with wise people. I'm not going to go stupid. So my kids, I've told them how to get wisdom. Listen, I've trained you. I've taught you. You want to go stupid? That's between you and Jesus. One, because I didn't train you to teach, and your mother didn't train you to teach it. I want you to do what's right. Uh, wisdom is simply having a vision for your life, and most, most Americans have no vision. We have got in a survival mentality. The news feeds it to us. Well, the stock market dropped another four points today. You know, we just had three more layoffs today. You know, two more plants are shut down. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, we have war being threatened right now. You know, our military is having a hard time. You know, the missile didn't work right. It went the wrong direction. You know, and then politicians that did stupid things, stole money, did what was wrong. You know, it's like, <laughs> like well, what hope we have? I got God. I'll be the head and not the tail. Our boat's going to float. You may not have a boat. We're going to have a boat, and it's going to float. And you've got to realize God's got a plan for my life. Proverbs 29, 18. I know the plans. Proverbs 29. Let's go to Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans are half for you. Then Proverbs uh, uh, 29, 18. God gave me a vision. God's got a plan for Joe Allen's life. He had it before my mother met my father. First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. Uh, God's promise. Everything I'm doing, he's going to order my steps, direct my paths. He's going to show me things to come. If I don't know that, I'm not pulling up. The reason you teach children, like, well, I just, I just want somebody like You have no clue who you are, do you? And I just tell my kids, nobody's ever going to like you. The devil's going to see to it. I promise you. Unless you start believing God for friends and learn how to be one, you're going to be one lonely individual. We're going to read a sad story about you one day if you don't wake up and do something. What most humans want, everybody else to feel sorry for us. Feeling sorry for me will not help me. I need to grow up. So I told my kids, you're going to fear God. You're going to grow in wisdom. You're going to make me famous. You're going to get wealthy and write me checks. <laughs> you laugh. I'm serious. Now, we've been on two cruises. I said, and I know I said last year, but I said, I've told my adult kids, don't you ever buy anything for your mother now that fits in the box. Don't you do that. Whether it's our birthday or anniversary, Christmas, don't you ever buy anything for me that fits in a box. I said, I can go to Walmart. 
If you buy me something, it better be real stinking big. Because the Bible says parents lay it for the children, children lay it for the parents. We birthed you, we bathed you, we taught you to talk and walk, we got you through a private school, paid you for college, paid for your wedding, got your first car. You're born again, spirit filled. You haven't been in church since the day you were born. You owe us. I could have had a bass boat, but you got pretty you got pretty teeth instead. And I've told them. Now I love my kids. We have a good time, but I've told them, You owe me. Well, that's not right. It's in the Bible. You owe me big time. And I told them if you don't if you don't take care of mom and I, now we're gonna be blessed. We are blessed. But I'll tell you, if you don't be nice to us as we get older, I'm gonna buy a pup tent and I'm gonna camp out in your front yard. And I'm gonna call the local newspaper before I do it. And I'm going to build a fire and dress in real ratty clothes. And so we it's not children. It's not children we raised. They, they abandoned us, not taking care of us. I'm going to be on the front page of the local paper. I'm going to mess you up. And it was more dramatic than that. I'm cleaning it up a lot. Number two, Jesus grew in stature. And I just read that in Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 4 says, Fathers, mothers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Um... Nurture and admonition in the Greek means to train up by having rules, regulations, rewards, and punishment. You need rules in your house. If you don't have rules, kids don't know how to measure their life. Because all they're reacting is you getting mad. My God, Dad's in a bad mood. Stay away, stay away. Oh, he's in a good mood, good mood. Get the list out, get the list out. He's in a good mood. I need some rules. So I had three rules for my house. Uh, no talking back to mom or dad. No fighting with your brothers and sisters. No telling a lie. If you violate one of those three rules, and I had them written on poster board, they were on the ceiling above their bed in their bedroom. Uh, they were laminated on the corner of every bathroom mirror. They were in front of the refrigerator for three and a half years. We had them laminated and duct taped underneath every toilet seat lid. You raise that toilet seat lid, that's the three rules for my house, as I've covered everywhere you're going today. I love you. I'm a blessing to you. But if you violate one of these three rules, I'm going to bust you. It's illegal in Oklahoma. I could swap. It's still legal in my state. Five states still have corporal punishment. I'm going to tear you up. Now, I can't abuse my kids. You go to jail for a long time for doing that, but I will swatch. If you say, you believe in spanking? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I've got six kids. I believe in spanking. In, in, in the last 80 years of parenting, in the last 80 years of parenting, I gave five swats. Now, I believe it. You do it thumb? Mm-mm, no, because I'm real stinking good, and they know it. The only time I'm going to swatch you is if I think you're about to cut your life short but doing something incredibly stupid. If you're not listening, I will get your undivided attention. You're not going to do that. So people say, you believe in it? Yeah, but I don't hardly ever do it. Hardly never did it. I mean, I mean we, we just tell them we don't need to do that anymore. We need to change this. Here's what we want to do. When you start training something positive, you won't have to talk so much negative. Because what you need are rules. My kids know what I expect, what mom expects. And I said, we did the thing I mentioned last night. You're not spending the night, middle of the night with somebody else. You're not going to stay out late. You know, you're not, you're not taking your cell phone to your bedroom. There are no phones in the bedroom. There's no TVs, no radios, no cell phones. Bedroom's a bed and a dresser. You go to sleep, get up, and get out of there. That is not a private apartment. Because the devil tries to isolate your children. The more they're isolated, the dumber they will get. They'll get stupid thoughts. You start texting somebody, your kid will text the dumbest stuff you've ever heard in your life. And I tell my kids, that's a permanent record. You text that, I can print that out. And if I can get it, their parents can get it. Don't do that. That's just a deep thought. So stature is having some rules and regulations. Do what's right because it's right. The sooner, even when you take communion, 1 Corinthians 11, the Bible says, judge yourself lest you be judged. The sooner you start taking care of yourself, the sooner I don't have to do it. If you want me out of your face, do what's right. If you do what's right, people will get out of your face. they got enough other stuff to deal with. They don't want to deal with you. So get some self-discipline. Number three, get... 
She said, Jesus grew in favor with God. Find out what you're good at. Now, I'm big at this, and, and this is kind of where I'm trying to end right here. Jesus grew in favor with God. All of our kids are different. Now, I mentioned last night how with our high school, uh, we became the number one academic school. That's because we tested them. I didn't make them smarter. I found out what God had already done in them. I didn't do a thing for them. I didn't make our school a great school. We were already a great school. It's just we had kids that didn't know it, and that's why they were acting stupid, dropping their britches in the hallway and getting drunk in the bathroom. They're trying to prove they're somebody. They don't know they are somebody. So I'm going to make it mandatory. You're coming to class, and I'm going to show you that you already are somebody. And what you do, they, all kids want honor. Who doesn't want to look good? Everybody wants to look good. That's why people stare in front of a mirror before they leave the house. I want to make sure I look good. You know, I want to talk good and act. Why? We want honor. God made us to want honor. Well, if I don't get an honor for doing righteously, I'll get an honor for doing wrong. I'm going to get it one way or the other. I'll get it from peeling my tires, wearing my hat backwards, and the britches of a 400-pound man. What are you trying to do? Get people to look at me. Why? I don't know who I am. I'm trying to draw your attention. I mean, you got to understand, Mark then of a perfect man, and that man is peace. So we tested all of our kids on a regular basis. I still do it every Christmas. We get together as a family every Christmas, and I pay for Christmas vacation. We always go somewhere for about a week and a half, and I do the four-hour test every year. I set them down, and these are my adult kids. We've done it every year. So for four hours, I own you. I paid for it, so I own you. So they'll get a blank piece of paper, and we do the the six-word test, who, what, where, how, why, when. Blank piece of paper. you got two minutes to tell me who you are. I want three scriptures. I don't care if you look them up. Give me three scriptures. Do you know who you are in Christ? In him? Give it back. What are you doing here? What? On this planet. Now, I remember the first time I did it. I asked Sarah, so what are you doing here? Uh, you invited us for dinner. No, no, I don't, I don't mean at my house. What are you doing on this planet? Well, you, you and Mom wanted to have me. No, we didn't. You were not on our mind. Trust me, you were a surprise. <laughs> we were not thinking about you that night. What are you doing here? Where are you going? When do you plan to arrive? And I would make them every year write out those six words. Give me three scriptures each. Then I give them one piece of paper with five columns. Tell me now that you know who, what, where, how, why, when. Where are you going to be in five years? I want one sentence. I want one sentence. Where are you going to be in five years? Well, I don't know. Well, then make something up. Well, what if it's a lie? God will judge you. Are you born again? Yeah. Well, God says he talks to you. Where are you going to be in five years? Well, no, I need to pray about it. Well, ask him real quick. we we got time. You don't have to wait three months. Just hit, ask you to talk back. What do you think you're going to be? Father, give Sarah wisdom. Where's she, where's she going to be in five years? You can't do that. It's in the Bible. You have not because you asked not. I just asked. He just said he's going to tell you right now. So where are you going to be in five years? Now, you can laugh. I'm serious. We just get, well, we need to wait on God. We're not waiting. i got time to wait. I need to know now. God's, he's not busy. There's no long line in heaven. Now, I'll get with you a little bit, son. There's a lot of prayer liners backed up right now. I'll get to you in about three days. God's all-knowing, all-powerful. God will answer you right now. And so I'm like, where are you going to be in five years? Give me one sentence. Well, I believe I'm going to do this. I don't want no believer. Where are you going to be in five years? Give me, give me a statement. And she said, well, I'm going to be a junior in college. Good. Where are you going to be in four years? What? Where are you going to be in four years? I'll be a sophomore in college. That's right. Where are you going to be in three years? I'll be a freshman in college. Very good. Where are you going to be next year? I'll be a senior in high school. Praise God. Isn't it good to know where you're going? Well, based on that, your vision, if you're in five-year plan, based on that, we're not going to Disney World this summer. What? Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 because you flunked algebra two years in a row, and you cannot get into college without algebra two. So you're going to summer school for six weeks. Take algebra two. Praise God. Isn't that great? You know where you're going. we got a plan. Okay, Jessica, where are you going to be in five years? And it would, and I still, now they laugh still as dust, but they'll come in. But they'll, they'll do some impressive stuff just to try to show off in front of their siblings. Where are you going to be in five years? I do it every Christmas. Because if you don't have a vision for your life, you're going nowhere. If you're waiting on a burning bush, an angel to sing, you're going nowhere. You're a child of God. God talks to you. Where are you going? 
Just because you know doesn't mean there's not going to be opposition. Jesus knew what he was doing here. Laid down his glory in heaven. I told you last night, took on the body of a man. When mom and dad lost him for those three days, he said as a 12-year-old, know ye not, I need to be about my father's business. Jesus knew where he came from, why he was here, and where he was going. And he still had hell descend on him. Apostle Paul prayed in tongues more than anybody. Hell, his, he couldn't get on a boat without it sinking. Just because you have a vision doesn't mean you're not going to have opposition. The sheer shame would be to have opposition. You don't even know where you're going. That would be a shame. You child of God, yeah, mine's got hell. Yeah, it's in the Bible, hell. It's, it's here. Devil, he's little G, temporary God of this planet. You've been given authority over him. If you resist him, he'll flee as in sure terror. You resisting him? You just hope nothing bad happens again. I just hope when you're through one week without something bad happening. Well, it's not going to. You're supposed to be using your faith. And so the vision thing was helping them find out. And then we do the test, you know, secular test. What are you good at? You're not going to make money at your weakness. You're going to make money with your strength. Are you good at it? I don't know when I'm good at it. Let's take a test and find out. So they're just heathen tests. I mean, you can get them anyway. Get them to the public library. Go to Barnes & Noble. There's a book of uh, academic skills tests. Pick one. Order it. You can get them, get them free online. Just download them for free. Well, it says here, yeah, I might be a good electrician. I might be a good lawyer. I might be a good doctor. I might be a good preacher. Well, fine. Take a test. It's an open book deal because most kids don't know. That's why most of our kids at 18 don't have a clue where they're going. We kick them out of the house, and they don't succeed at nothing because there was no transition. I was a child. I became an adult. And there was no middle ground. That's so why Jewish kids are very different. The Orthodox Jewish kids? Okay, mm. give me five minutes. I love Jewish people because they're mean as snot. And I've got good Jewish friends in Port Chester, New York. Mean as just snot itself. And I asked him one time, first time I thought I had permission, because I'd known him for several years, and he, he would always go eat every year. I see him every December, first week in December every year. Orthodox Jew now. And I said, can I ask you a question? He said, what? I said, how come you people have more money? He said, what? I said, how come you people have more money? He said, what people? Jewish people. Everybody knows Jews are filthy, stinking rich. I never met a poor Jew. But that's why nobody likes you, because you all got more money. And he said, we don't have more money, we just keep more money. Well, how did you get it to keep? He said, uh, Joe, how many holidays do you celebrate in America as a Christian? I said, I don't know. He said, seven. Easter, Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving, all with some sort of Christian connotation. He said, I celebrate seven holidays as a Jewish boy in America. Most are a reminder that nobody likes us. Daddy, what do we celebrate? Passover. Hmm, what's that about? They almost killed us off. Whoa, not good. Let's get to the next holiday. Daddy, what do we celebrate? Purim, what's that about? Esther, what's that about? They almost killed us off. Whoa. As a Jewish child, it didn't take but a holiday to remind you nobody likes you. When we landed on Ellis Island, they called us Christ killers and beat us with poles, shoved us in the water. We couldn't get a job because we were Jewish. We've been scattered to the four corners of the earth when we rejected Christ. He said, we've been going through a lot of stuff. So we've learned something. If we're going to succeed, we've got to get really good at something. We can't just show up. Hey, Joe, here's the difference in my son and your son. When your, job, when your son's filling out a great resume, my son will be filling out a great business plan. When your son is trying to get a job at the company, my son will be buying the company. And that's the difference between me and you. Jewish Americans, Orthodox Jews, you can find this in your public library, uh, comprise 2% of the United States. 2% of all Americans are Jewish, Orthodox. But they comprise 25% of all multimillionaires. Actually, it's more than that, 33%. 25% of all Jews are doctors or lawyers. <laughs> they go to college. Uh, we, we're just trying to get out of high school. You think, why is there an anointing on them? Mm -mm, no, they've been through hell. 
Their fathers went through hell. Their grandfathers went through hell. Their great-grandfathers went through hell. And their great-great-great-grandfathers went through hell. What's that? We've been persecuted on everything. What do you realize? We're going to have to do twice as much because nobody likes us. So that's why when you have a bar mitzvah, you know, a kid goes from being a boy to a man, you know, turns 13, we're going to go down here and you're going to meet with a rabbi on Saturday morning and hang out with him for about four or five hours. And you're pretty much going to have to quote most of the first five books of the Old Testament. He's going to grill you. And then your family's going to show up dressed, I mean, to a team. Man, are they dressed up. And they're going to have a party and catered food and their music. And they're going to put you in a chair and stick a beanie cap on your head. And they're going to dance you all over the floor at about 2 in the morning. And they're celebrating the fact that you have just become a man. You've just turned 13. You've just become a man. You know, when I turned 13, shut up. Go to your room. Dear God, get out of here. I wasn't a man. I was just a pain to somebody. And you realize something, you believe what you're told. Now, if you go to Israel on the Sabbath, uh, they, show up at all the, they show up at all the hotels Friday night. Uh, kibbutzes, hotels, they'll show up because they don't work. So they bring their inner tubes, and they bring food and cake and instruments. And for them, church is a 24-hour ordeal. It's from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. So we were in this big hotel in Tel Aviv the first night we was there, the first time I we went. And our guy brought us this. Now watch this, man. And they're down and dancing, smoking as much people you've ever seen. they got more smokers, kids smoking is. That's the smokingest nation I've ever been in my life. But they're dancing, they're worshiping God. And then on sundown Saturday when it ends, it's the oddest thing. They'll put all the family in a circle. My family gets in a circle. Your family gets in a circle. We all get in a circle. And then the eldest man of the family, which the father, the grandfather, will come around. And he goes around. He lays hands. This is the last thing they do at the end of the Sabbath. He goes and lays hands on every kid in that circle. And what he's saying in Hebrew, he's saying, May the Lord make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. May the Lord make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. What he's praying in English is, May the Lord make you spiritually strong and economically creative. May the Lord make you spiritually strong and economically creative. If you're an Orthodox Jew, that is prayed over you 52 times a year, every year of your life while you're at home. Now, you wonder why they leave home and they're so filthy, stinking rich. There's no anointing on them. They expect to be. They've been told by their father their whole life, every week, you're going to be spiritually strong. You're going to be economically creative. It's like... You're dumber than dirt. You're not going to mount the hill of beans. Dear God, be glad you're out of the house. And uh, we're getting what we say, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And the last thing is Jesus grew in favor with man. And this is a big one. This will help your kids more than anything. I'll just give you these scriptures real quick. Uh, Proverbs 27, 17, as iron strikes iron, so the countenance of a friend. If you have a friend, a friend is somebody who will tell you the truth, not lie to you. Ooh, that's good. Proverbs 27, verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. What's that mean? A friend's going to tell you you've got bad breath, and you've got the breath that peel the bark off a pine tree. They're going to tell you you've got dandruff like Mount Kilimanjaro. A friend's not going to uh, just, they're going to tell you the truth. I don't need you to flatter me. I need you to tell me the truth if you love me. I like this in Proverbs 18, 24. If you're going to have friends, you've got to show yourself friendly. Proverbs 17, 17, friend loves at all times. The brother is born for adversity. Proverbs twenty two twenty four. make no friendship with an angry man, lest you get a snare to your soul. Ooh, have mercy. Then Proverbs 14, 7, go from the presence of a foolish man, if you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge. Now, there's over uh, 80 scriptures, and I'm stretching some of them. There's over 80 scriptures in the Bible on friends and friendship. If you don't teach your children about friendship and how to be a friend, they'll never have one. And the devil's going to send some good-looking 
good-smelling, nice-talking, demon-possessed person from hell to take them out. I've seen more families get tore up by some kid's friend. You know, so why? Because they didn't know how to be one. They just let waited until somebody was friendly to them. I want you to be a friend. I want you to go help somebody. Friends are somebody that said this, a friend is somebody who will die for you. Greater love has no man than this, Jesus said, than a man that lays down his life for his friend. If they won't die for you, they're not your friend. They're just an acquaintance. So I need to teach you how to be one. So we did this thing, and here we did the chapter on friendships. All of our kids went to etiquette class. It, oh, they hated it. Now, that sounds good on this side. Now, they love it now, but I made them go to etiquette class. Uh, I made them learn how to carry on conversation. It was a three-day course, how to start a conversation, carry on a conversation, end a conversation. You start a conversation by asking people about themselves, not talking about yourself. They don't want to know about you. They want you to know about them. And so I'm teaching how to be real powerful in, in social circles, how to be a blessing, how to leave people better than you find them. And if you'll do that, you'll get raises other people won't get because you're not a pain. You leave every situation better. You're like Jesus. You leave everything better than you found it. In Numbers, uh, when God sent Israel to the promised land, they griped. Now, I, I don't have time, but I'll just give you the statement. You can read it in Numbers 14. Uh, Moses is bringing them over, and they've been griping the whole time. God led them to no water. God led them to bitter water. God kept leading them into a mess, trying to get them to trust him. Man, God said, good. I mean, first we got the Red Sea, and we had to part it, and then we had to get a cloud so we wouldn't get sunburned. And then we got a rock, and he had to slap so the water come out, and there was no food, and then some white stone came out. It's just constant. It's just constant. And God's trying to get them to believe him because you're going into the promised land full of giants. If you can't believe me here, it's going to get tough over there. I told you, it's yours. You're going to live in houses you did not build. You're going to eat vineyards you did not plant. But you will have to go take it. You understand? It was yours originally when Abraham had it, but Abraham kept running off to the desert. Then Isaac ran off to the desert. If you don't possess what belongs to you, the devil will steal it. He just didn't steal it. He brought giants in and camped out on it. That's not their land. That was God's people's land, but they wouldn't go possess it. That's why after 400 years in Egypt, they're crying out to God, yeah, we need help. Well, I've been waiting on you to ask. I'd have helped you earlier. You just didn't ask. You were busy living your own life. So he sent a deliverer named Moses. Moses is leading him back. And God's trying to catch them up. It's a crash course in faith. I'm going to lead you to no water when you're thirsty. I'm trying to get you to trust me. I'm going to lead you to bitter water when you can't drink it. I'm trying to get you to trust me. God's trying to get them to trust him. And finally, Numbers 14, he said, uh, he sent the spies into the land, you know, the 12 spies that came back. Two had the good report. Ten had the evil report. And they cried all night. You can't, God wants us dead. We should have died in Egypt. We should have died in the Oh, but we had died before we got here. There's giants in the land. We can't do it. Oh, it's just bad. And they cried all night long. When they got up the next morning, God was furious. And God told Moses, that's it. They're not going in. I'm going to give them what they say. And what they had just said was, oh, that we had died in the wilderness. And you can read it in any translation, King James, New King James, New Living. God said, I will give you what you say. You will all drop dead right here. And once they told us that, oh, we're sorry, we didn't mean it, we didn't mean it. And they tried to go in and a bunch of them died. <sighs> Life and death are in the power of the tongue. I want my kids to know who they are because if they don't learn it, they're going to say something wrong. I'm never going to make it. I'll never get a date. I'll never get a spout. I'll never get a job. I'll never get a ring. And I said, no. No, you're, you're the head not the tail. I don't care if you flunk school in the third grade. I don't care if you can't walk and chew gum. 
I don't care if you can't diagram a sentence. You're a child of God. You're destined for greatness. God's going to open doors no man can shut and shut doors no man can open. He's going to give you good sleep at night. No evil's going to come near you. I'm telling you, once you get that in you, it's amazing what will happen. Kids get really bold. I mean, they just do. It's amazing how the Word of God will change your child's life. You're not going to do it overnight. This is line upon line, precept upon precept. Somebody here's got adult kids. Please don't start preaching a sermon to them next time they call. <laughs> just be real nice. Praise God. Sugar just wants you to know I've been praying for you. Just believe in God for great things. Believe, believe in God for favor for you. Now, you can tell them that. You don't have to tell them you're praying that they're going to fear God. Don't just go ahead and pray it, and God will do that. You don't have to tell them. Just tell, hey, I'm believing God. You're going to have divine favor. I believe your spouse is going to start looking at you with a different set of eyes. I'm, I must believe in God for favor. And it is a legitimate prayer, Psalm 512. God will surround the righteous with a shed of divine favor. God draws the unbeliever out of his goodness. What does he do to heathens? He's good, too. Then that's why Peter caught all those fish when he didn't believe it. He hit the deck of that boat, and after he caught that, you know, retiring load of fish, he said, Lord, depart from me, for I am a, I'm an evil man. I'm a wicked man. And Jesus, it says, if you read the message, a lot of words kind of messes with it, doesn't it? <laughs> like what? Being good to you, and you know you don't deserve it. That's how you change your family. Now, I don't tolerate evil. Okay, we're not going to do it. I'm going to confront you. But I'm going to be the biggest cheerleader this side of heaven for you. And you're going to find out they'll respond to that. Amen. Let's stand up. We're going to pray. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come boldly to the throne of grace tonight to get mercy and help in time of need. And here's what I ask on behalf of me, my family, and every family in this great church. Lord, forgive us of any sins we have committed against you, against our fellow man, or against our own flesh. Wash us clean by the blood of Jesus, Father. We declare by faith tonight that we are a blessed, blood-washed, forgiven people. We're not going to dwell on our past anymore. Our past is under the blood of Jesus. Father, your mercy is going to be brand new in the morning. Tomorrow's going to be a great day. This is going to be a great year. I pray this be a jubilee year for our families, a year when all things are made right, when the devil has to pay back seven times whatever he stole. Father, talk to us when we go to sleep. Talk to us when we wake up and walk during the day. We declare we are in your hand. No man can take us out. Father, I pray again for our families, our children, our grandchildren, our stepchildren, our foster children, wherever they are tonight. We set ourselves in agreement according to Matthew eighteen nineteen, And we ask, Father, teach our family to fear you. For the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And we ask for liberal wisdom. You said in James, if we lack wisdom, we can ask you and you'll give it by the bucket load. So tonight... Not only do we ask you to teach our children to fear you, but we ask for bucket loads of wisdom for our children. We declare that our children, Father, are going to bring great honor to their family name. Father, that wisdom that we ask for is going to bring our children long life, riches, and honor. We consider it done. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you, guys. Pastor.